0: Oh wow, thank you guys, can we give some love to these guys, thank you so much, thank you. Uh, you guys are spoiled, you just, I know no, you are, you don't know it, it's okay. You know, someday you wake up and you're like, yeah, I was pretty spoiled, anybody have spoiled kids? It's okay. <laughs> what, what do they say, admission is the first step or something like that? Like, He's uh, just like, someday they'll get it, you know. So uh, thank you so much, um, team. And maybe, you know, maybe this will be good. You know, some of our high school seniors can think about this, this day in the context of their life. And um, we've been doing this series through the book of Exodus. And um, for me, this is not just a story that you read like an ancient story. And this is a story that's so profound because their journey from ex- of the exodus from slavery in Egypt to the promised land is in so many ways the journey of your life. So the promised land, to me, is what Jesus called the promise the life or the abundant life, John 10, 10. I came to give you life in its most abundant form. So the whole reason that I'm doing this today, probably the, the reason that I do it every day is I believe what Jesus had in mind for people was an abundant life. Uh, today, you'd say he, he would have a lot of followers on Twitter, because you would say this was a guy that was had answers about life and everybody wants to have a better life everybody wants to have a good life a meaningful life a fulfilling life I, I, everybody and how they go about trying to get that you know is is different but that's at the bottom line that's what everybody wants i want to feel fulfilled i'll use that word fulfilled in my life meaning and purpose and i think that's what this whole story is about. And, um, and so a few weeks back, we stopped, we left Egypt and we stopped at Mount Sinai. And today, I'm actually going to read to you something very old, very archaic. Um, but they stop at Mount Sinai and there they're given the law, or we know them today as the Ten, 10 Commandments. So I'm just going to read it. Now, before you roll your eyes or check out mentally all the things, check your emails on your phone, Um, listen for a minute, give me a couple minutes, and then we'll go on. Because what I want to do today is I want to talk about how how did Jesus look at the law? That's what we're going to kind of talk about. Assuming that Jesus really had something to say about how to live the optimal life, how did he look at the law? So they stopped there. Um, it's been a few weeks because I've had some complications, um, but, uh, but when, when I spoke to you last, we, we were at the mountain and there was thunder and all of this. And we talked about the importance of having that stop in your life where something makes you tremble. Something's bigger than you. Chapter 20. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You could just stop there and just remember this, somebody brought you here. And if you didn't read any of the other commandments and you just read the introduction, that would do you a world of good. Just to say to yourself this, somebody brought me here. Somebody brought me here. Um, One of the things I can't do with broken ribs is sleep well. (laughs) What I can do is watch Netflix, right? So uh, the other day, I was just like what you know, you know how it goes. Sometimes it's like what's on there, and there was a there was a, a, a story about Arnold Schwarzenegger, you right? know, and and you know this guy's a bodybuilder from Austria, and the whole ups and downs and the twists and turns of his life, and he was a super, just an absolute superhero and a superstar, and then he was nobody, and, and everything in between, and then uh, he's the governor and. They end it with the most profound thing. They said, you can say a lot of, it's his voice, you can say a lot of things about Arnold Schwarzenegger, but one thing you cannot say is this. You cannot say he was a self-made man. And he started to list all the people and all the circumstances that got him to where he was. Now, he's a hardworking person. There's no doubt about it. When you see, you don't don't get a body like that by eating chips, (laughs) you know, You do a lot of repetitions over a number of years. Anybody that's done high-level athletics will tell you, you put in the time. But he insisted, he goes, I insist that you understand I was not a self-made man. What a great starting point for us. Before we read one word of the Ten Commandments, I brought you here. What if you woke up every day and say, somebody brought me here. Somebody brought me here. I'm here on grace I'm here as a gift. What a profound way to begin your day. Somebody brought me here. Um, Then he starts with this. You shall have no other gods before me. I'll I'll summarize a couple of them that are longer for the sake of time. You shall not make an idol in the form of anything. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Honor your father and your mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, servants, donkeys, cars, pretty much. Donkeys pretty much wanting another guy's car, which us guys never do. But again, back then it must have happened. What are we going to do with these laws. How should we think about them? Because to me, I, I've been thinking about them for like three weeks. and I mean, you guys are in all kinds of trouble because you guys know if you've been here a while, if I have had this much time off, you're in trouble. I mean, you just pack a lunch, you know what I mean? You know that by now. So it's not good. I've been thinking about them over and over and so many different angles, the Ten Commandments. One of the things that I, that I was thinking about is this, okay, let's start with you shouldn't murder. Let's just start with that one. Survey says we like that one. Survey? No, good. No, that's easy, actually. That's an easy yes, ma'am. Shouldn't murder. But you know, stealing how many are against stealing? Look at that. Now, what I got to thinking about is like, you have this list of laws among which is like you shouldn't steal and you shouldn't murder. And most people are good with that. Like these guys, you know, men are gonna head to college or whatever. They, they're gonna do in the workforce and all the things. And, you know, one of the things that's gonna happen is some professor's gonna tell them how outdated this book is and all these ideas are, right? That's gonna happen. And don't, don't listen to everything they sell you, just by the way. But let me just say this. I got to thinking, okay. A lot of modern people would do this with the Ten Commandments. They would take out a few. Say, yeah, we should still have the don't murder. We should still have the don't steal. And, but like the early ones, I mean, these are archaic. Have no other gods before me. You know, don't make idols. Kind of like, who cares? And I was thinking about it. Why are they there? And what are we going to do with them? The 10th one is so unique that I almost need to give a whole service to the 10th one. Because the 10th one is the one that deals with wanting and not doing, which is profound. When you think about how these are written, you think about if you could not want your neighbor's donkey, you probably wouldn't steal your neighbor's donkey it was as if it was as if the it was beginning to unfold right there and yet how do you punish someone or how do you create a system against wanting it's hard to do later on we're going to learn that all of these were actually written not for god's benefit because the first thing that most people who are down on religion especially or down on church or whatever, they're down on there's like, oh, there they go with the God stuff because God's so needy. Now, let's just talk about him for a minute. Don't make for yourself an idol. Don't have other gods before me. I mean, right on its face, to me, that looks like, oh, very insecure God you have there. Doesn't it look... And I had to just think about it for a long time. And what had occurred to me is this. You know, the last half of the commandments really, really, really are for a better society. That's why people universally are kind of against murder. And for the most part, we don't like people stealing from us. But when it gets to what is so important about having... No other gods, you know. Who cares? It sounds like God's problem to me. I think what it is is this. I think these last commandments kind of take care of us socially and physically. Like it's good for humanity if we aren't killing each other. It's good if we aren't taking each other's things. So I don't think a lot of modern people would say, you know... But it doesn't matter if you have another god, if you have an idol, that doesn't matter. And what I would like to suggest is maybe it does. Maybe it does. Maybe this has to do with your interior. You know, you can make all the laws in the world, the law about not murdering has been on the books for a long time and every single day people what commit murder I mean the law has been on the books for a long time about not stealing and every single day people steal. I think what's happening in our society is this we still we still give credence to some of the laws but we forget the first ones Let's just be honest, it's not cool anymore to worship God. You go off to college, you know, these guys are going go to go in the world, they're not going to sit around and like, hey, first thing for orientation is make sure you find a good church. I've been to a lot of these freshman orientations. Here's where you can get hammered, here's where you can get weed, here's where you can find girls. There is no here's where you find church. It's, oh, okay, you've never been to one of these things before? I mean, I'm mean i not telling you something you don't know. It's, in society, in society, it's gone by the wayside. Now, yesterday, it hasn't always been that way. Um, yesterday was grandma's uh, 100th birthday party. Yay, we had a good time. So this was a different, this was a different time. I think, it, there she is, yeah. Yeah, right on, right on, yeah, good lady. Uh, but this was a different time. I mean, you know, when she grew up, so she was born, obviously, in 1923. She grew up in the you know, 20s and the 30s. Everybody went to church back then. Everybody had a center point in their life. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to wait around on time, but we're going to get to, the, like, the Sabbath in there. You know, we're going to talk about that. Talk about something that's passe. What happens? What happens if you make one day of the week sacred? In a person's calendar where you just go, you can't do something on that day. By the way, I've learned the most about this, not from Christian people. I've had a lot of great Christian pastors and friends and teachers and leaders in my life. I have not learned the most about the Sabbath from Christian people. You know who I learned it from? Jewish people, because they don't screw around with the Sabbath, and we're all free from it. Well, we're free, and we're going to learn about what Jesus talked about. We're going to get there. Hold on, I don't have to do that anymore because all right, I get it. Let's just start from it. What would happen if you have seven days a week, and one of them you stopped cold? I mean, on six days you tore it up, man. You were climbing the corporate ladder, you were ripping emails, you were buying and selling, you were wheeling and dealing, you were having it all, and then bam, cold stop. What the heck's dad doing? Nothing. But like, he's a workaholic, I know. Nothing. What's the first question? Why? Everybody say it out loud. Why? Why is dad not with his hair on fire? how he normally is. That's what kids would do. We go here, we go here, we go here, we go here. All of a sudden, we don't go here. We don't go here. First thing a little four-year-old says is, why? What a great place to insert. Well, because on the seventh day, God, what? Rested. Now, you can think about the Sabbath as one of the commands. You can think about it in a thousand different ways. You can think about it's really nice to have a day off. Anybody said amen? Yeah. Yeah, it's good. To, if you've been a slave for, you know, 400 years, you don't know anything about a day off. Really good to have a day off. You could say the reason that they have a Sabbath is for physical uh, rejuvenation reasons. Sure, I can give you that. I, it's fine. I think it's eight layers deeper than that, though. Something, something happens. <clears throat> I mean, little four-year-old Charlie, she learns by, like, the calendar. What day is it? What are we doing today? And then why? As soon as we know, what are we doing? Why? What if in that little brain, all of a sudden, they go, it's Sunday. In the Jewish case, it's Saturday. What are we doing today? Nothing. Why? doesn't make any sense. There is a there is one and we got do not murder. We said let's keep that Sabbath. Pfft. True. I talked to some friends who uh, were part of Orchard Girl for a long time. They moved to England and uh, I was asking. They came back to visit. They were right in the back a few weeks back and I said how is it? I haven't seen you in like four years. And they're like oh it's great. We miss you guys. We Miss Orchard Girl. How's it England? It's great. And, kids. Uh, and I go, what was it like? And they say, like, you know, the craziest thing. When we got over there, like, we don't understand. Like, they stopped doing things on Sunday. It stopped. Like, everybody's playing soccer and this and that, climbing the ladder. And then on Sunday, it just uh, stopped. And he goes, we hated it until we loved it. You remember when Jesus, in a few points in the New Testament, the disciples are out picking grain, and it's, it's the Sabbath, and the religious leaders are like, oh, look "Well, look what these guys are doing, and they, they confront Jesus like, these guys are breaking the Sabbath, and Jesus says something really, really profound. He goes, well, first of all, which I love, I love when Jesus gets a little snarky, because I, I got some of that in me, to be honest with you. I call it Bible bingo. People come up to me with their Bible verse and, like, oh, hey, did you know this? And I'm like, yeah, actually I did. (laughs) And did you also know this? And the usually answer is no. So they come up with some things, and then Jesus is like, yeah, I'm aware of that commandment. I'm aware. And then he starts quoting them about how David went when they they took sacred bread that wasn't supposed to be taken. And he also broke some laws. In other words, he was trying to give them some very simple ideas around common sense. It's like, hey, they're hungry. It just kind of needed to happen. It's not a practice of ours. And then he says something really profound. He said, you know, people weren't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for them. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made. The laws, God didn't make a bunch of laws so you could serve them because it gives God so much pleasure. Like, watch, look look at them worship me. Makes them real happy. And I, I mean, I've been to a lot of churches. They get very portrayed. God gets very portrayed this way. Like, he gets real bombed when you don't. So needy. God made them for you. If he made the Sabbath law for you, he must have made the other laws for you. Let's talk about, let's talk about the, um, the murder one. You're like, ah, whew, my conscience is clear. <laughs> How many are feeling good today? Like, you know, I went to church and I didn't feel good. I was hoping for a few more hands. I don't know <laughs> the crowd I have. I, I, it's a church for everybody. Uh, <laughs> everyone's welcome. We all have a story. I'm good. I'm good on that one. So later on, Jesus does something with these. I mean, we would need to do a whole series on how Jesus treated and looked at and interpreted the law. But the first thing you probably should say is that he knew it, which in our generation is saying something. I mean, I'm not really mean or condescending, but... I, but to be a realist, like people don't have any idea what's in the Bible anymore. No clue. So he might want to start there. He knew what was in there. He knew it very well. Part of it was their culture because, again, they had Sabbath and everybody stopped. And they stopped and then they had regular worship that was just, it was just a part of the DNA of the rhythm of your life. So I really think if you have that sacred day, and you have that sacred time, and it's somehow, does anybody here ever get your priorities out of whack? You know, like, like, like a good athlete, you've heard of, uh, I forget which quarterback it was, but he had this little rubber band on his wrist, and they, you know, football gets chaotic, man, you get hit in the head, and people get emotional, and you start swearing at each other, and people are digging under the pile, and you lose your mind for a minute. And then when you come, out of the pud- you come out of the pile and some guys gouge your eye, and the only thing you're thinking about back in that huddle is, I'm going to screw that guy. Roughly. I'm not talking on this side. I'm going over here. This side loves me. This side loves me. No, 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 this side. All right. This is how you, this, I'm just telling you how they think. I'm not telling you how I played football. I'm telling you how people think. And you come out of the pile and you've lost your mind for a minute, which is, by the way, why they do it. So let's say I would take this rubber band, and we'd go like this. That plays over. That's over. He'd snap himself. He'd feel some physical pain. That plays over. Now i got to focus on what matters. Anybody here ever lose your priorities? Your emotions get you out of whack? So what does Sunday do? Or in their case, Sabbath? Snaps you on the wrist, man. What am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I getting all angry about? What am I losing my head for? What am I trying to climb the corporate ladder so much that I miss my faith and my family in the process? I'm gonna get some rubber bands and just start firing them at you guys. Now, I get it, because, and this is one of the things that happened. One of the things that Jesus did, and people quote, we quote all the time. We have T-shirts. It's the theme of Orchard Grove. Love God and what? Love your neighbor. Love others. Jesus was confronted one time. He's like, what's the most important commandment? By the way, he didn't pick either one of the, any of the 10. He picked some of the other ones. I don't know if you're aware of that. When Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself, he picked from Deuteronomy and he picked from Leviticus. He actually picked two of the 613 commandments. And he goes, I think if you do these two, you're going to be doing good. And we wholeheartedly embrace and agree with that. I haven't done not yet. You guys had your, coming back, I'm coming back. We wholeheartedly and agree with love God and love your neighbor. That's what we love. But this is what happens then. Now what happens is you can hide behind it. I love God. We'll, we'll, well, break that down for me a little bit. Well, you know, I just love him. You know what I mean? You know, I just do. So do you, ever, do you ever pause and go to church? Well, no, it's so busy. I mean, you should know my life. My life's crazy. Okay. So how do you find a way To put that into the system. In other words, let's just be honest. Does anybody cheat? Let me me explain it to you. Um, Does anybody have a scale that had a little dial on it and you just moved it? That's doing you a lot of good. Change the dial. Start with negative three pounds before you're going to... Does anybody not really want to know how many, you know, you have a little calorie calculator on your phone and you're like, well, yeah, but, yeah, but. There's no but. If you ate it, it's a calorie. It doesn't matter if, we, but someone came over. It doesn't matter. It's not, not a calorie. Does anybody cheat? So I think what we do is we fool ourselves. And I think we've been fooling ourselves for a while. And so we're fooling ourselves to think we're gonna we're gonna take care of the last of the commandments and that it's essential that we aren't murdering each other. I mean, people are violent about that. They're they're vocal about that on TV, on the news every night about can't do this to each other. But we Sabbath, huh yeah? Come on. Have no other gods before me. I mean, please. Or they're linked. Or the more we ignore the top half, the more we are naturally as a society going to engage in the bottom. Coveting, backstabbing, stealing. Like, yeah, but Chris, but I I really am against murder. Good. Are you against hatred? Well, yeah, but it doesn't say anything about hatred. Good job. So it turns out, X number of years later, Jesus gives this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. And, 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 and I wish I had, a, I, I need like three hours because I did a whole class on this, which was how Matthew, the, the gospel writer Matthew, painted Jesus as the new Moses. Right? Like if you read in Matthew's gospel, which gospel does the baby, the infant, leave? Not the, not the infant, but go into Egypt. Which gospel? Matthew. Not Luke. Not John. Not Mark. Which one do they escape Egypt from? Matthew. It's not in any of the other gospels. And then, so he escapes, and then what else happens? Well, when they escape Egypt... Right, they arrive in a new place, and then Jesus goes up and he goes on a mountain to give the sermon on the what? I don't know. You ever read the Sermon on the Mountain, the Gospel of Luke? No. Why haven't you? Because if you read it in the Gospel of Luke, it's called the Sermon on the Plain. What's Matthew doing? He's painting a picture, a portrait. You know the difference between taking a photo and a portrait, right? A portrait's portraying something. Matthew was carefully, skillfully, brutally portraying. This is the new Moses. What's his topic? The law. You've heard it said, but I say to you. He gives a brand new deeper, richer, fulfillment, interpretation of the law. At one point, he says in that, in that famous sermon, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, Matthew 5, 17. At no point did he say, this is all old stuff, you should just discard it. I'm going to take it to its deepest and most profound level. The new Moses. then he said something I'll read for you you've heard it said long ago do not murder but I tell you anyone who is angry I mean do we need to talk anymore that's all we got to work on in our society gotta tell you something Hate is completely legal. But is it good for you? So if I hate you and I kill you, I'm in trouble. I would have been in trouble with the law then, I'd be in trouble with the law today. But if I hate you and I don't kill you, who am I killing? Oh, no, no, it feels good to hate. Sure, it does. (laughs) Feels good to be angry. Sure, it does. And now, even the medical field is telling us that's probably not good for you. Jesus gives us a profound. Explanation, interpretation of the law. The other day I said to Charlie, I go, What do you learn at school? Rules. <laughs> really? Turn around, really? Yeah. True story, Vicky will testify. Probably like a week later, you know, we always go, you know, typical annoying parents. What'd you learn at school? Week later, more rules. <laughs> How many know they're having some sessions? Kids be throwing and biting and kicking and chasing. And, and I do tell, well, you can't run. So you can't run. You can't hit. You can't touch other people, right? Oh, she goes through all the rules. Turns out what Jesus does in the most brilliant way is he shows everyone the sweet spot between ridiculous religion, I'm aware, the Pharisees, people that take a law, make it ridiculous, make it, okay, I'm aware. That's why I started Orchard Grove. I'm aware of ridiculous religion. It exists. People can take rules, and it can get ridiculous. But then what's happened is our society has gone. Yeah, I experienced some of that, so it's all nonsense right there. was the fatal error. That was the fatal error. Just call it what it is, call it extreme, call it ridiculous, call it legalistic, whatever. Over here is empty secularism. It's empty. There is no hope behind it. There's nothing to it. There's no there's nowhere to go. There's nothing sacred anymore. There is no holy. There is no God. There's no one at the top of the mountain. Completely empty. What does Jesus do? Takes us right down to the sweet spot. I say, don't be angry. That would be a solid. Well, I'm way out of time, but here's what I will say. I may or may not come back to the Ten Commandments because there's a lot more to do, but I will say this. Here's the thing, in case I don't. Here's what I started doing. I started personalizing the 10 commandments for my own life. And I found it to be really helpful because it's something like you could memorize. And by the way, none of you would pass. If I asked you to name them, like two of you would pass. <laughs> Which is pretty sad, but it's, okay. But they're like something to memorize and they're kind of archaic. Right? But if you do this, it might, it might change you. What if I personalize it? What if I go home and I just gave you a free hint, like what Jesus did. He's like, you know, of course, I'm really hoping that I don't ever murder anybody in my life, but what if I focused on my anger? What if I free myself from anger? That's one of my personal Ten Commandments. Like for me, one of the, that I wrote down is like, because I've never made an idol before, like carvings of idols, but, but I've had mental idols of God before. Because people have told me what God is like, and they said, and then God stops here. He doesn't do this. God never does this. And, you never... and they gave me a little box to put God in. And I had to... So one of mine, my second one is like, don't ever let your current mental image of God hinder you from knowing all that God really could be and is. God's bigger than your box. Have no idols, no carvings, no mental carvings. So I want to give you a little challenge to think of like a little homework. Make, personalize your Ten Commandments. Go back and read them one by one. Say, what does this mean for me today? In actual practice, what does this mean? How could I use this in my life? And I think it'll do something profound for you. One is you'll know what they are. But two, they'll start to become a part of you. And you might put them on your fridge. You know, people have, like, rules to live by. But this this is not a bad place to start, my friends. Have no other gods before me. Have the highest priority in your life that nothing would move. I'm going to cycle back to this last thing before I close. I was so profoundly moved as I studied this in depth from my Jewish friends who took sacredness of one day a week to a level that I think's gotten just completely discarded. And I don't know how to fix it. I'm not here trying to throw stones on everybody and I know that that's prime time for hockey and soccer and da 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 and so you figure it out. But sometimes you have to swim upstream, my friends. Sometimes you have to go against the current. Sometimes you got to have the cojones. To say, no. I don't care if everybody is. I don't care. But you do what you need to do. You're under God's grace and love and care. This is your thing. But I think we've tossed out the first four readily, and we're just praying to God that our society won't unravel by holding on to the last five. On our mom and dad's in the middle. It's the fifth, and you say, "Well, yeah," because you said four and five. I think that one's teetering. I think we get it in concept, but I think we have a ways to go. Because now, what our society does is, everything that's old and older, we just discard immediately, just as we do, like. Silverware and plasticware and stuff in in cars, everything's a discard. We do a tradition. There's nothing good in that tradition. Really? It's been around for 2,000 years, there's nothing? The arrogance of not honoring our... Honoring your father and mother isn't buying your mom flowers on Mother's Day. Sorry. That's not what that is. That's good to do. It's eight layers deeper than that, my friends. All right, we're done. All right, let's have a closing prayer. Sorry. We're way done. I overcooked it. Honey, don't overcook the steak. Too late. You ever been a part of something that was Profound at the time, but you you weren't mature enough to know it. You just weren't there yet. People ask me all the time about forcing their kids to go to church. And I've had different answers over the years. For a long time, I was like, no, don't force them because they need to choose it. And I've come all the way back around and I'm like, absolutely force them. I have. I'm just, maybe I'll change my mind again, but that's where I'm at now. Absolutely. Force them. Force them. Kick and scream. I don't care. Because they can't come back to something they don't know. Not because they won't ever walk away from it. They won't ever question it. They won't ever interpret it differently, which I think they probably need to. But you can't come back to what you don't The problem is, like, like, we know some of the end of the story, so we've skipped the whole mountain. We're like, oh, we just come to Jesus, and he just says, forget about it, and that's not exactly what he said. I think we need a moment at the mountain. It gives your life some, some heft. It's like a sailboat. You need a big, heavy keel to keep you upright. But you shouldn't be talking heavy about the Ten Commandments and like just go talk about grace. And hey, everybody needs the wind in your sails. That's that's all grace. That's all good. But if you don't have a good, heavy keel, you're going over. You know what glory means? God says, You'll see my glory on the mountain. Glory means weight. You'll see my weight. God's heavy and our society needs some weight to it, big time. God bless your people. Fill them with grace, and strength, wisdom for the day that we live in today. Help us to have openness in our minds and hearts, room for your spirit to whisper to us willingness and courage to obey. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Happy Sunday, Orchard Grove. Have a good week.